0: I want to welcome you and thank you for joining us for worship this Sunday as we continue our study of the Psalms with Psalm 77. You can turn in your Bibles there at this time. Now, Psalm 77 is about how God's people endure hardship through the practice of biblical meditation. This past fall, during our sermon series on the spiritual disciplines, I preached a sermon that was focused on Psalm 1 that defined biblical meditation. And I encourage you to go to our website and listen to that sermon as a refresher and a reminder of what biblical meditation is. However, a quick definition of biblical meditation to get us going this morning. Biblical meditation is the practice of fixing one's mind upon the truth of God's word to be changed by God's word. The image that is used in Psalm 1 is of a man who meditates on the law of God. It is an image of a tree planted by streams of water. Among the other qualities of this tree is that its leaf does not wither. In the midst of the harsh environment of the Middle East, the leaf of the tree does not wither because it has been planted by streams of water. No matter how hot or dry the environment becomes, this tree maintains its health because it draws water from an external source. In reality, the heat of summer is what actually causes the fruit to grow and mature. In a twist that we would not have expected, when a tree is properly watered, heat no longer becomes a liability, it actually becomes a part of the vehicle that drives fruitfulness. Without the water, the leaf will wither and the tree will not produce. But combine streams of water with the heat of summer and you will have a wonderfully fruitful tree. The testimony of God's word continually points us to this truth. Hardship combined with trust in God produces the fruit of maturity. Listen to Romans 5, for example. The Apostle Paul writes, We rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, And hope does not put us to shame. We need the heat of suffering combined with the life-giving water of God's Word to mature as Christians. This morning what we will see in Psalm 77 is how Christian meditation will move us from a place of lamentation to a place of praise. That is, we will learn how Christian meditation will help us turn the heat of suffering into the fruit of spiritual maturity. So hear now the word of the Lord from Psalm 77. I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. When I remember God, I moan. When I meditate, my spirit faints. You hold my eyelids open. I am so troubled I cannot speak. I consider the days of old, the years long ago. I said, Let me remember my song. In the night, let me meditate in my heart. Then my spirit made a diligent search. Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? Then I said, I will appeal to this, to the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God. You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. You, with your arm, redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. When the waters saw you, O God, When the waters saw you, they were afraid. Indeed, the deep trembled. The clouds poured out water. The skies gave forth thunder. Your arrows flashed on every side. The crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind. Your lightnings lighted up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was through the sea. Your path through the great waters. Yet your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Let us pray. Guide us, we pray, now, O God, that by your word and spirit, you may teach us your ways, that we might fix our mind upon your truth in the time of our hardship and suffering. And in your light, see light. In your truth, find freedom. And in your will, discover your peace. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And the first thing that we see in our psalm for this morning is that if we would move from lament to praise, that is, if we would allow the suffering of this world to produce fruitfulness, Christian fruitfulness in our lives, we must embrace suffering through meditation. Child psychologists have begun to notice a disturbing pattern that I'm sure all of us have experienced to one degree or another in our own lives, parents seem to be less and less willing to allow their children to fail. Helicopter parenting, in which the mother or the father hovers over their child and ensures that nothing ever harms them or failure never occurs, is at epidemic proportions today. Kids are never allowed to fail. Jessica LaHaye, the author of The Gift of Failure, observes that we seem to be more worried about raising happy children than competent or autonomous ones. Gone are the days, it seems, of skin knees and suffering through a hungry day because you forgot your lunch. Parents seem unwilling to allow their children to struggle, to fail, to suffer, and the result? Well, Romans 5 could not be any more apropos. We have little endurance. We have little character. We have little hope in times of hardship. The paradoxical secret that Scripture reveals, though, is that present hardships develop future endurance. That is, the heat of suffering produces the fruit of maturity. Yet such heat must be combined with drawing up the life-giving water of God's word through meditation. Look down at verses one through three, again, of our psalm. There we read this: "I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and He will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearing. My soul refuses to be comforted. When I remember God, I moan. When I meditate, my spirit faints. Now, we're not told what the psalmist is going through exactly, but it is obvious that there is some type of struggle that is occurring in his life. Now, how does this psalmist respond to his problem according to verses 1 through 3? Well, first we are told that he calls out to the Lord and that he seeks the Lord in this time of trouble. That is, there is an active response on his part to bring his trouble before God. And in this response, he avoids two dangers that we so often face when we encounter suffering. The first danger that we face when suffering is just giving into the suffering with no response. In verse 2, he says, His hand is stretched out without wearying. You see, if we desire to move from lament to praise, we must not give in to the suffering. We must not give in to despondency or depression. The psalmist is calling out to the Lord. He is stretching out his hands so that the Lord will bring him relief. When we stop stretching out our hand to the Lord, it sounds like this. I will always feel this way. I will never get out of this situation. There is no hope for me. You see, you will never move from lament to praise if you give in to your situation. The second response to suffering that we must avoid is seeking comfort instead of resolution in the midst of our suffering. In verse 2, the psalmist says, My soul refuses to be comforted. Christian, if you want to grow in fruitfulness, when the heat of suffering comes, you cannot seek the shade of distraction. My marriage is on the rocks, so I'm going to go shopping. My health is suffering, so I'm going to go watch TV. I feel lonely. So I'm going to text hi to all my friends in my contacts and hope that somebody engages with me. I'm stressed out at work. So I'm going to go get myself a baconator from Burger King. If you always comfort yourself instead of facing the reality of your suffering, then you will never grow in fruitfulness. You will never mature. If you put a screen in front of your face or you treat your mouth every time you have a struggle, you will never progress in your Christian life. So what should you do? Well, you don't give in. You don't avoid or distract You face your hardship head-on through meditation. Look again at verse 3. When I remember God, I moan. When I meditate, my spirit faints. You see, Christian meditation means fixing your thoughts upon the truth of God's Word. And it's hard to do this when you are suffering. The psalmist says... That he moans when he remembers God. His suffering makes it so that when he remembers God, it causes him to moan. His spirit faints when he meditates. When he fixes his mind upon the truth of who God is, it makes his spirit faint. But moaning and fainting spirits are not bad. I know you want to give in, or you want to be comforted, but if you desire to move away from your suffering, you will have to begin facing the hardships by focusing your mind on your problem in light of the truth of who God is. But Christian, if we would move forward, we must remember God in our time of trouble. We must moan. We must meditate. And allow our spirits to faint and our eyes to weep. For Christian meditation is not about avoiding your problem. It's about facing it with the truth of God's word. So how do we do this? What does this meditation look like? How do we meditate in the midst of our hardships and struggles? How do we draw water from the streams in the midst? of the heat. The first thing that we see the psalmist doing is that he addresses his current hardship in light of God's character, in light of God's character. Look at verse six of the psalm. It says, I said, let me remember my song in the night. Let me meditate in my heart. Then my spirit made a diligent search. You see, biblical meditation means remembering the truth of who God is. It is an internal seeking. It is a diligent search for answers in light of God's character. And this is the question that continues to arise in the midst of suffering. If God's character is good, why is his providence so hard In a world of pain, how can the all-loving God also be the all-powerful God? This is the heart of the psalmist's meditation, a diligent search of the problem of pain. Look at verses 7-9. through He asks this, Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? Favor, steadfast love, promises, graciousness, compassion. These are the fundamental characteristics of the God of the Bible. When the Lord revealed himself to Moses in Exodus 34, we read, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. And this is how we are to meditate in the midst of our hardship. This is how we are to search diligently. We hold the revelation of God's character up to the reality of our situation and we deal with the apparent paradox that the God of love is also the God who has allowed us to suffer. The God who brings the streams of living water is also the God who has ordained the heat of suffering in our lives. And this is where we must meditate and diligently search When we come to a time of hardship, we wonder, will he ever be favorable again? When we lose a loved one, we ask, has his steadfast love ceased? When we struggle in our relationships, we wonder, has God forgotten to be gracious to me? But the essence of faith is the ability to hold on to the truth of God's goodness in the midst of life's hardships. It is to say God is in control and God is good. You see, the way to grow and mature isn't to give in to the pain. It isn't to avoid the pain. The way to grow is to evaluate the pain of our life in the light of God's character. Christian meditation means walking through the valley even if you don't know why the Lord has brought you to the valley. When you lose your job, when you lose your marriage, when you lose your child, Christian meditation takes you from has God forgotten to be gracious to God is merciful and abounding in steadfast love. It gives you the power to say, I will walk through the fire, O God, if you want me to. Meditating on the character of God gives you the power to say, with Job, though he slay me, yet I will hope in him. When I was discussing this sermon with my wife, April, the idea of the heat of the sun and the tree and the streams of water got her scientific mind clicking. And she said to me, you know that the heat from the sun causes increased respiration in the tree. And I was like, yeah, I knew that. Um, Why don't you explain to me why you think that that's important? Well, she went on to explain that the heat from the sun will draw out water from the leaves, which will then create a response in the tree to draw more water from the stream. Right, The heat from the sun pulls moisture out of the leaves, which then causes a reaction that causes the roots to draw more water out of the streams. It's kind of like when you lift weights. Lifting weights doesn't make you stronger immediately, actually. It makes you weaker. But in response, your body grows more muscle. When the heat from the sun draws water out of the tree, it causes a response in the tree for the roots to go deeper and seek more water. With a proper water supply, the heat will actually cause a reaction that will make the tree more heat-resistant in the future. And when we enter into a time of lament, if we seek out God through meditating on his word, it will actually make us stronger. It will actually make us more mature and more prepared for future trials. Now, as the psalm continues, the psalmist turns from meditating on the character of God to meditating on the actions of God. Look at verses 10 through 12. There we read, Then I said, I will appeal to this, to the years of the right hand of the Most High, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. To move from lament to praise in the midst of our suffering, we must take time to remember the way that the Lord has graciously dealt with his people in the past. You need to remind yourself of all that he has done in your life, how he has answered your prayers to him, how he has taken care of you throughout your life. Even more than that, you need to look to his word and see his mighty acts of salvation throughout history. You need to remind yourself of the stories of God's word, how he saved his people from danger how the Lord provided for his people's needs. You need to remember Daniel in the den. You need to remember Esther before the king. You need to remember Elijah and Elisha and the Lord's provision through them. You need to remember the judges and the prophets and the kings and how the Lord continually moved to save his people. If you want to move from lament to praise, you need to remember how God has graciously dealt with his people throughout history. The paradigm of the Lord's salvation in the Old Testament is the crossing of the Red Sea, in which the Lord saved his people from the armies of Pharaoh. It was here that Israel was finally set free from their slavery and crossed into nationhood. The Exodus was the time when the Lord redeemed his people. And so the psalmist recalls this event in verse 15. There you see his allusion to the Exodus, he says, You, with your arm, redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. You see, there is something very powerful about taking time to remember what God has done. To look back and remember that the Lord brought the people of Israel out of Egypt that he opened up the Red Sea and that they might cross through it and shut it back upon the armies of Pharaoh so that Pharaoh could no longer pursue them. And yet, as Christians, we have a far greater event than the crossing of the Red Sea that we are to remember. For when we look back on the work of the Lord and his redemption, we are called to look back upon the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And in faith believe that by his death on the cross and by the shedding of his blood, we have been forgiven of our sin. And that by his resurrection from the dead, we have been guaranteed life everlasting. That the resurrection itself is like the opening up of the Red Sea. For by his rising again, he opened up the grave so that all who place their faith in him, though they die, yet they will live forever more. The way that you move from lamentation to praise is by meditating upon your hardship in light of God's redemption of you through Jesus Christ. You take your problem to the cross and you see that in light of his salvation, your problem no longer has power over you. That doesn't mean it's not difficult. It doesn't mean that it isn't painful but it does mean that the pain no longer controls the way that you think or the way that you feel or the way that you behave because you know that your future is secure in Christ. Meditating on the work of God will change your perspective because you will see that in the past the Lord has brought salvation and therefore you have great hope that in the future He will do the same. And so you need to take time to meditate on the works of God in the midst of your suffering. Now, during this time of social distancing, I've been thinking about the movie The Martian. If you haven't seen it, the movie is about an astronaut who is stranded on Mars all by himself and has to learn to survive. He is in complete isolation. Now, after watching this movie... I began thinking about how I would respond to the situation of being stranded. I began to think about how I would handle the difficult decisions of mission control. I put myself into the story and began to ask myself how I would respond to all the different things that were going on. And this is what a good story does. It draws you in. Yet the stories of God's word, the history of what the Lord has done, are not just good They are true. They are real movements of God. And the way that you respond to them will have real effects upon your life. And therefore, in the midst of your struggle, you need to, through Christian meditation, put yourself into the story of God and proclaim to yourself the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ. You see... To move from lament to praise, you must engage your hardship. You must focus on the character of God. You must remember the work of God in Jesus Christ. And what will the result be? It will be the fruit of praise. Psalm 77 ends with a song of the Lord's power to save. It began with lament. It ends with praise. Look at verses 16 through 20. Here we read this song. When the waters saw you, O God, when the waters saw you, they were afraid. Indeed, the deep trembled. The clouds poured out water. The skies gave forth thunder. Your arrows flashed on every side. The crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind. Your lightnings lighted up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was through the sea, your path through the great waters, yet your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. These words are a poetic rendering of the crossing of the Red Sea. Back in verse 6, you'll see there, if you look up, the psalmist said, Let me remember my song in the night. That was his goal. In the midst of his lament, he desired to remember his song of praise. And I believe that this is the song that he was seeking to remember. A song that speaks to him of the Lord's character and of his deeds to save his people. And this is why we are called to gather together. Even though in this time we must be separated in our homes, we continue in the ways that are available to us to unite and to worship and to gather together in small groups over Zoom platform so that we might sing to the Lord each week, that we might declare the character of God to one another in the midst of our hardship and suffering, that the deeds of the Lord might become the very paradigm through which we understand our current struggle. Not as an escape from the hardships of life, but as a meditation that moves us from our present lament to a future song of praise. The song that the psalmist sings speaks of the presence of the Lord with his people as they pass through the waters of the Red Sea. It says, Your way was through the sea, your path through the great waters. You see, the Lord indeed was with his people of Israel in the midst of their great struggle. But the end of verse verse 19 says something very profound. Look there, it says, Yet your footprints were unseen. In the midst of the most dramatic display of the Lord's presence and salvation in the Old Testament, even then direct Evidence of his presence wasn't readily seen. The move from lament to praise in our life means that we must meditate. We must fix our minds upon the truth of God's presence with us. For even though you do not see his footprints with you in the midst of your suffering, he is there working to save you. You might not see him. You might not feel him. His footprints may not be seen. But when you meditate on his character, when you focus upon his promises, when you remember his great deeds, then your lament will turn to praise. Your mourning will turn to dancing. And the heat of your current hardship will bring about the fruit of Christian maturity as you deeply drink from the streams of living water. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Let us pray. O Father God, we come to you now, Lord, and as a community, as a church, as a state, a nation, and even as the world, we are in the midst of hardship and suffering we call out to you. and We ask, Lord, that we would be those who would respond not through avoiding, not by giving in to fatalism, but by diligently seeking your word and that the heat of the suffering would bring about fruitfulness as we deeply drink from the streams of living water through meditating upon your word. We pray this all in Christ's holy name. Amen.